what's your name? I thought to myself, Wade McLeod, and I couldn't speak it. Like I was, I think all that came out of my mouth was, uh, and I was just like, holy shit, this is like, this is actually happening. Um, Dr. Choka said it can, like, it can damage my speech. Like, I have no idea what's going on. And um, yeah, it was uh, very scary. <laughs> wow. Like, literally, it's so weird. We haven't talked about this in so long. So it's like, <laughs> it's it like back. literally giving me shivers. Like, I, I have shivers I, too. I can't even, that was literally the hardest thing, probably to have processed because when the doctors came out and they're like, the surgery went really well, we got the whole tumor out, but, and he's having, but he's having a little hard, a hard time um, speaking. And we're like, what do you mean? He's having a hard time speaking. You're listening to Breaking the Ice, a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players, but since has turned into so much more. Stories shared by women around the globe who come together for a sense of connection and community. You may be in the sports industry, a hockey parent, an athlete, or a person who just enjoys podcasts, but I can promise you, you'll be inspired by these women every single day while we evolve through the tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things hockey. And guess what? So much more. For women, by women, but especially for a hockey community. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Surprise! Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. You guys, it has been a freaking minute. I honestly did not intend to take this much time off, and I feel like I kind of said I was taking not that much time off, only like a month, and I wound up taking... I think like two and a half months off, but you know what? We all need a break and I really needed that break. I have so much energy coming back towards the podcast and it just kind of gave me a moment to, you know, just kind of change some things up, really go over like my strategy for the upcoming season. And I've really, like I said, been focusing on a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that's coming up. So for those that follow along on Instagram, you obviously know that I have a website being built and it's almost finished, just adding those finishing touches. And within that website, there's going to be a membership portal and it's going to be so, so awesome. And it's just like another element of our hockey world. It's going to be super affordable for you. And some of the things that are going to be included are workshops and virtual meetups. So it's going to be like a once a month virtual workshops hosted by me and other women in our community and really influential special guests outside of our community that we can apply to our lifestyles. Also, there's going to be lifestyle guides. So kind of like the ones I've shared with you thus far about having a baby abroad or a packing list and also going to be a lot of guides just in general for girls that play in North America too. Obviously, those two guides are kind of more so for people going overseas, but I don't want that to deter girls that are playing in North America because there's going to be tons and tons of content in there for you as well. There's going to be a private Instagram community, so people that sign up for the membership are going to be added into that, and it's going to be like more content specifically for members. 
There also is going to be access to monthly blogs. And this is like one of my favorite parts about the membership is I actually have eight girls writing for Breaking the Ice. And all of these girls come from different backgrounds, different countries, have different experiences in this lifestyle and life. And each month, the girls are writing two to three blogs each, and it's going to be dropped into our membership portal for you to read. And so there's going to be different topics, just like general topics, topics about hockey, topics about relationships, topics about being married to someone that's from a different country than you. Everything that is so, so relatable to us and our lifestyles. And it's just really going to be cool. I've loved reading their blogs and I know so much that you guys are going to love it too. Last thing for now, and I'm, I really presume I'm going to be adding more stuff within this membership, but also there's going to be exclusive podcast episodes once a month. So I'm going to be adding in an extra podcast episode per month for you. That's only going to be for members. So I'm going to keep you guys posted on when that's going to come up. I don't want to be like super salesy on this podcast, but I do have to just let you know that that's coming soon. I'm so freaking ecstatic for it and I cannot wait to see who signs up. And also, as you know, we have the retreat coming soon, which is in Nashville and tickets are going on sale September 1st. So they're going to sell out really fast. I'm planning on announcing the pricing soon so that you can make your arrangements and grab your girls, make a game plan. And as September 1st enters, you will be able to purchase tickets to the retreat. So stay tuned. It's going to be amazing. I have so many fun things planned for this retreat. I absolutely cannot wait and see who signs up and who I can finally meet in person. Anyways, moving on from all that salesy stuff, because that is not what I like doing. I just wanted to share that with you. But I am just over the moon that the podcast is back. I've just been so excited to connect with more women. I know a lot of people have filled out surveys recently to come on, and I also have been kind of eyeballing people that I really want to have on the podcast to share their story. I talked about this on Instagram, but I am going to have a a co-host for a little bit, and that should start middle of September. And she's going to join me for about four to five episodes, which will be really fun just to have another insight. I absolutely love this girl. I'm not ready to reveal who it is yet, but I will soon. We kind of vibed like off the bat. We've talked for a really long time and she is going to be really valuable to this community. And I just love her kind of outlook on everything. The time has come again where we are heading overseas for hockey soon. Uh, My husband and I, my son, our two horse golden doodles are going over to Vienna, Austria for the upcoming hockey season. And if you're anything like me, it feels a little bit bittersweet because last year was really, really hard. You know, we are so excited to go to the city and like experience this with our baby, but it's also a little bit nerve wracking. So when this comes out, this episode, my husband will be leaving two days from that. And then I will be kind of solo parenting for a bit. And then my Dad and my sister are going to come out and help me because I have a wedding to go to in August, one of my best friends, and that is why I'm flying out later. So I know a lot of you are flying out later this year, it feels like, just from connecting. So you'll have to let me know how that goes. But yeah, I I think it's always kind of bittersweet when the summer comes to the end, and I always feel like it, always, it goes by so fast. So, so fast, right? Like 
we look forward to coming home and then it's so jam-packed with like seeing friends and seeing family and before we know it we're literally like on a flight going over again so soak in those last minutes of summer if you are flying over to europe this week safe travels i know for north american girls the season starts a little bit later but I thought it would be fun to just surprise you and throw this episode out so you can have something to listen to on the plane. And then if your season has not started yet, it's just early access to the pod. Today on the podcast, I have Carly and Wade McLeod joining me. What's so funny is that our husbands actually played together in Idaho. It was like the very first hockey season that I ever had experienced. I was in college at the time and then Carly, so I wasn't like living with Charlie and then Carly was doing long distance with Wade. And so she was only in Idaho part of the time. And so we actually, our paths only crossed once, unfortunately, but I have been following their story ever since. Wade has suffered four reoccurring brain tumors over the years and each time has continued to go back and play hockey. And the last one resulted in chemotherapy and radiation, but he is now cancer-free. Oh my gosh, you guys, they are the sweetest people. They're the sweetest couple. They are so in love. I, and like, you can just feel it through (laughs) this episode. There's times that all three of us got emotional. I just was so honored that they came on the podcast to share their story. And I know that you'll be really, really inspired by listening and tuning in today. I don't want to reveal too much because they, the way they speak about this experience and how it shaped their lives is just so eloquent and inspiring. And I want you to hear it from them. So since the pod is back, make sure to share to your story, share with your friends, Let us know what you think of this episode and also make sure to check out Carly and Wade's new podcast called A Living Breakthrough. It is on Podbean and Spotify. I will link it in the show notes and I hope you enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. For those that have listened to episodes in the past, you know that BetterHelp has come up several times from some of my guests. Living the lifestyle that we do, it is so beyond important to talk about our feelings. And I think that it would be very valuable to have like a third party listening ear to offer advice and insight into our lifestyle and situations. I think something for me that has kind of delayed my start into getting into therapy is that half of the year I'm living in a different country. So the coolest part about BetterHelp is it's customized online therapy and they offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see them on camera if you don't want to. And it's way more affordable than going to in-person therapy and you can start communicating with someone in less than 48 hours. So I'm excited to try out BetterHelp this hockey season. I think that people can only benefit from going to therapy and it probably can only improve the kind of experience you're going to have during the season. So if you're interested in signing up for BetterHelp, you can head to betterhelp.com forward slash breaking the ice. Thank you again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to Breaking the Ice. This is actually the first 
couple interview that I've ever done. So I'm super happy you both are here today. Mm-hmm. I've been following your story for a really long time. And briefly for those listening along the way of Wade's hockey career, he suffered four reoccurring brain tumors and every single time has returned back to playing pro. And with this last tumor, he needed chemo and radiation, but he is now cancer-free. Congratulations. Thank I you. am so honored to just have you both on the podcast today. So welcome. Thank you so much. And we're so excited. I know we were just talking about it, but it's just amazing to be able to be brought into this like network that you've created and share our stories. So thank you. Well, I know that everyone listening is going to absolutely just love your story and fall in love with you guys and your journey. Everything that I've heard from your podcast that I, you just started is just so, so inspiring. And I can't wait to just put that, you know, on this episode for people to hear. So I know we have a lot to unpack here, (laughs) (laughs) but I want to start off kind of just handing the floor over to you both to share your story. And I hope you don't mind, but I'm probably going to just jump in and ask questions as they, as they come up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd love to hear just where you were at in your life before you became aware of the very first brain tumor. Me and Carly met in, um, the junior year of college, I was going to Northeastern and my junior year, my senior year, I signed a pro contract with Springfield Falcons. And we moved in together after um, college. I had a good rookie season, re-signed with the Springfield Falcons the next season. And there was a lockout. So um, all the big league clubs, which is Columbus Blue Jackets, got filtered down. So I found myself being out in and out of the lineup. I got sent down uh, to East Coast, Evansville, um, probably for a weekend and I scored a hat trick and uh, I got called back up and um, the lockout ended and- um, And you're finally getting your way back into the lineup, yeah. like working his way back up. And yeah. I think, wasn't it the year before you kind of, you spent the whole year as a rookie yeah. proving yourself and you did work your way up, but then with the lockout, it was kind of like, yeah. um, mm-hmm. him having to like, try to prove himself again, yeah. which is hard for any hockey player. Yeah. And, um, I remember the rookie season, um, my assistant coach, who's, um, the assistant coach for, um, Columbus, he said like, you can play in the NHL. You just have to work hard. And I was just like, Oh, that's great. And I'll uh, continue <laughs> to work hard. And, um, so and it was also like when the lock, I keep saying it wrong. The lockout, when we were doing our <laughs> podcast about this, I kept saying the wrong thing. And we lockdown. Just lock, I kept calling it a lockdown. It's like, you would think you would know by now, but well, no, you know, the don't. times we're living, I could see how you could uh, get those two confused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was starting to work his way up. And I just remember we were talking to friends and family back home and we were just seeing everyone around Wade getting called up and we were just so excited. We just felt like in our hearts, like this is it for him. He, there's actually a really good chance that he might be the next call up and we actually might see him living yeah. out his dream to play in the NHL. Yeah. So, um, like Matt Calvert and, 
um, Nick Drzenovic, like I, I played on the line with them and they were both called up and I was a, uh, amidst a six, seven game point streak. Um, cause I got a assist in the first period. So I, I could taste it. And, um, the second period hit, um, I got boarded into the glass and my helmet flipped up and it was, it was kind of, I don't know how to say it, but it's kind of um, the right spot. My helmet flipped up and I hit the glass in the right spot. And like, I was so foggy. I thought I had a concussion, but um, down I went and I woke up on a stretcher and I had a seizure. And I remember looking over at the bench and my mom and um, stepdad were in town and she was on the bench and I was like, Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> I just got and, the chills. Yeah. And um, I found out that uh, I had a golf ball tumor inside my brain. Mm -hmm. And Carly, what was that like for you watching this? How were you at the game? Yeah. Um, we were, I was sitting with his parents and it was just so crazy because like, you know, his parents were there and we were just all having so much fun together and also like living on this high moment. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you see these kind of things happen and you always just like brace yourself when you're in the stands, hoping that it's not your husband or boyfriend. And all of a sudden when it really is, him like mm -hmm. your guy down like that it just was like an out-of-body experience I just remember not really like believing that that was him for a second and almost being like in a shock a shocked state where I didn't even like know if I should like move like I didn't really know what to do and all of a sudden this I think it was like the I can't remember who she was some sort of like manager for the organization she knew all the girls and she came up to me telling us to like go down. And I was like, Oh God, like, this is not good. And I had no idea that he had a seizure. We just saw him down and not getting up. So we were just bracing ourselves for what, um, just happened. And we went to the bench and, um, they were like, he just had a seizure. And we're just like, what, like, what do you mean a seizure? He's never had a seizure before. And it just was really unsettling, not really knowing what that meant. And I remember we had to, he went on a stretcher, got brought into the ambulance. And as we were in the ambulance, the paramedics were like asking him what day is it? And he couldn't remember the day. Like it wasn't just coming to him. So all of that, like just in those moments, it was just really scary, not really understanding what was happening up until we found that mass. And then again, I just remember being up all night in the hospital, just so freaked out of what that was. There was no you're not given like this immediate answer as to like what it is that you're dealing with or how are we going to move forward? You just kind of are sitting on this unsettling information before being able to like come up with a game plan. So that living like in the unknown, it's just, it's really scary when you're dealing with something really, really real like that. Carly's stepdad passed away. What it was like a year before a that? A year before that from a seizure. Well, he oh. had, he had, um, cancer, but his tumors were just all over his body. And when he had passed away, it was just a really like fast thing that had happened and it caught us all off guard. So when 
we get this result saying that there's a golf size um, mass in his brain, the first thing that both of us thought of was my stepdad. And mm-hmm. we're just thinking like, what, what's going to happen to you with this, this news that we're given, you know, and you have to like go through this whole process of getting opinions and um, figuring out like really what it is that you're dealing with before you even really have answers. So just trying to like process this information and trying to maintain a positive like mindset near like seems almost impossible in that moment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like we can all relate when something happens and from a fan, wife, girlfriend perspective, when you're looking down there, the first thing you think is, is that my husband, you know, and to actually have that happen. And for those that are listening that have gone through, you know, a head injury or like a very serious injury, it's super frightening. And it's the, the worst thing that you can think happen. I think it's obviously it's way more severe, I think, and scary when it's a head injury down there and you know, that's what it is, Mm -hmm. but then to find out all this information on top of what had happened, mm-hmm. how were you able to process that as you were going through it? Like, were you just kind of in a daze or were you able to say, okay, well, what, what's going to happen from here? Well, I was in a daze. Like, yeah. um, the doctor, like that did the CAT scan. Um, he's just like, okay. Uh, or it's a woman doctor. Um, she's like, okay. Um, I have bad news. Um, it's a size of a golf ball mass in your brain. We're going to do an MRI to see what it is. And I was just like to the floor holding Carly's hand and just ignored everything else that she said and just was in a daze in a funk. Yeah. It's like that, that, that information is all that your brain processes. Everything else like becomes becomes muted almost because mm-hmm. you're just like focusing on like that one main piece of information that you don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> right. Right. At the time, um, it was actually, uh, like, of course the number one focus was on us figuring out like what to do with this thing for Wade's health. But as a, a hockey player, I think that it was a really hard experience for Wade when, you know, you feel like you have your dream at your fingertips, like you could taste it Mm -hmm. and And then have it taken away. Yeah. Yeah. And living in that unknown state. And we ended up um, seeing this one doctor for an opinion and the opinion was actually a positive one. Like it was, you could have been living with this the way I see it. You could have been living with this um, your whole life, your whole life. I say it's safe for you to continue playing hockey and we just keep an eye on it. And we was like, great. Like that's like the best news I could ever hear. So he went to the rink, like so excited to tell his coach, but of course the organization was like, uh, no, I think we need a couple more opinions on this because from their standpoint, uh, it was a very public thing that just happened, you know, mm-hmm. and this, this episode like resulted all over the news. Like people even back home in Vancouver were finding out about this because it was on the news back here. And I remember um, hearing about it. Oh, do you? I do. Yeah. Where were, were you with your husband now? Like when you were dating him, were you guys dating at the time? Yeah. I can't, which year was this, that this happened? The first oh, one, um, 2013. So was it before Idaho? 
Yes. Well, Idaho, um, sorry, I'm like getting all these mixed up. That was after the second. No, it's okay. Hockey is (laughs) just like a constant, like what season was this? What year was this? Yeah. So (laughs) I, I played in Toronto, um, the next season and then Idaho the next season after that. So, okay. So he must've told me about that when you guys played together. So maybe I didn't hear it in that moment, but I remember hearing that story about you having a seizure on the ice, um, and then the result as well. So yeah, it's, that's crazy that it was all over the news and did they wind up saying, no, you can't come back or how did, what happened? They had me go through, I think it was like three or four, three or four opinions. And I got sent, well, um, I got sent to Boston, um, to see like a Harvard neurosurgeon specialist. He said that I can get you back in six months playing hockey if you have surgery right now, like um, in, and the next, in the next week. And he said, which made us feel like, okay, this is what we need to do. Yeah. He was like, if my son was you and he had this, I would have him in for surgery right away. And we were just like, uh, okay, that's what we're doing then. Yeah. Because it made it just um, solidify like just how real this situation was. Not that we didn't realize the significance of this, but when you're hearing things from doctors where they're saying, I think let's just take the wait and see approach, you know, mm-hmm. it makes that's you not think, very settling. Yeah. And it also makes you think, well, maybe this isn't like, this is okay to like, it makes you question, like, is it okay for us to keep on like living with this? And it wasn't settling. Like I felt like when we were told we need to get this removed, it was so much more relieving for us to no, like, you know, this is the route that we have to take, but it was so scary. Like to think that you're going to go under surgery, like literally work, being, having your brain be worked on. And not only that, he was telling us, um, these different things like possible side effects. The tumor was located in between his speech and motor skills and, there could be impacts on those, which was really scary. And then he also said, there also might be a chance that we might wake you during the surgery (laughs) so that we can ensure that those functions aren't, sorry, I'm having baby brain, aren't, uh, what's the word? (laughs) Uh, Impaired? Aren't jeopardized. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think um, that was probably like the scariest part about him having brain surgery. Cause it was just like, what you might be woken up while mm-hmm. you're having brain surgery. Like we couldn't even comprehend that. Yeah. And Wade, how did you feel going into that, knowing that that could happen to you? To be honest, like I was floored again. Um, the fact that I could be woken up during brain surgery is just unbelievable. Um, and I often thought like, oh, why, why is this happening to me? Like, but mm-hmm. then I switched, um, me and Carly talked about this yesterday in our podcast, the conversation I had with, um, uh, a friend that I went to school with, um, same thing happened to him, um, in junior. And this was literally right when we confirmed like, okay, I guess like we're doing this, Wade's going to go for brain surgery and we're trying to comprehend this. And our friend suggested to Wade that he contacts one of his friends. So it was a complete stranger to us, Yeah. but he got him in touch with this guy so that um, he can talk about his story. Cause he had a similar experience of having a seizure, but I don't even think our friend knew the significance of how relatable 
this conversation um, mm-hmm. was for Wade. Yeah. Um, I can remember laying on my bed, like for hours and hours, like just texting him like, okay, um, quick question, whatever. Um, and he actually like had a similar situation, like almost identical. Um, and I was just, I was just taken back and like he had a seizure during a hockey game. Yeah. Wow. Had to have brain surgery, but the biggest thing I think that was so amazing for Wade to be able to ask questions about was that he too was woken up during brain surgery. So Wade was actually able to talk a little bit about that and ask the questions of what that experience was like. Cause it's one thing for a surgeon to just tell you, this is what we need to do, but to be able to like actually talk to someone with a similar experience. Um, I know this is like maybe more significant, but it really resonates with what we talked about before this podcast, like being able to connect with this community, with all these hockey wives, none of our friends or family get this lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. we do. So being able to communicate and connect with, um, people with similar experiences is so powerful. So for Wade to have this experience with this guy was just the most amazing thing. Like it was an amazing gift for Wade to be able to mentally prepare for this. Yeah. I'm sure that was very, very comforting. And I love that word powerful because, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine hearing that news and, and then them continuing to say, okay, well, we might wake you up. And so did they wind up waking you up? And what was that? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) I remember Uh, it clearly. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, I got woken up and like, there was a, um, a film of blue. So it's tarp or the tarp or whatever it's, it is. Um, and I heard Dr. Chioka. Um, who's my neurosurgeon, he said, hey, Wade, uh, how you doing? And I was like, uh, good, I think. <laughs> and uh, he's like, to all the nurses, he's like, uh, Wade is a gifted hockey player. And I was just like, yeah, I guess so. And like all the nurses laughed. And I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, can you uh, wiggle your uh, right um, fingers? And I did it. And can you wiggle your right toes? I did it. And then he's like, okay, um, we're going to put you back to sleep now. Next thing I knew I was out. Um, and I actually woke up in the middle of them stitching me up. And that wasn't a, a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. Cause Wade, um, when Wade, oh my gosh, it's like, I can't even, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So this is like really insane because, um, the fact that Wade could feel this, most people would just like speak up and tell them that like, I could feel this. So then they might like yeah. do something to yeah. help them. He but might put me back to sleep or um, sure enough, like I thought I could say, I can feel this and their words were not coming out of my mouth. So I was just like, um, like I sucked it up for probably 10 minutes. And when um, they actually removed the blue tarp over my head and, um, I got wheeled out. She's like, okay. Um, one of the nurses is like, okay, um, what is your name? And I was just like, oh, I thought to myself, Wade McLeod and I couldn't speak it. And like, okay, what's your name? I thought to myself, Wade McLeod, and I couldn't speak it. Like I was, 
I think all that came out of my mouth was, uh, and I was just like, holy shit, this is like, this is actually happening. Um, Dr. Chilka said it can like, it can damage my speech. Like I have no idea what's going on. And, um, yeah, it was uh, very scary. <laughs> wow. Like literally, it's so weird. We haven't talked about this in so long. So it's like, Bringing it's it like back. literally giving me shivers. Like I, I have shivers I, too. I can't even, that was literally the hardest thing probably to have um, processed because when the doctors came out and they're like, the surgery went really well, we got um, the whole tumor out. Um, but, and he's having, but he's having a little hard, a hard time, um, speaking. And we're like, what do you mean? He's having a hard time speaking. And he kept the doc, the surgeon kept ensuring to us that it's, it's going to be temporary. Like we feel confident his speech is going to come back. And we're just like, what do you mean his speech? Like, and when we saw him, he had no words and, um, it was so scary and hard to like, just believe that his speech actually would come back because he literally couldn't say anything. And, um, it was so emotional. Like I can't even put into words, like what that experience was like, because it just was the most surreal thing to have gone through. And then, yeah, I can't imagine that. Sorry. I I cut you off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like, I thought that I could write it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. It's the same function mm. of your brain. And I would just um, like say what I wanted to say because I thought I could write it and nope. But I guess it has something to do with like the speech output, like regardless of it being um, it's so weird. It's so crazy how our brains work, but for you to like vocalize what you want to say, as well as like writing down what you want to say texting, like, or even texting. He couldn't do any of that. And that must've been so frustrating because you're like, I literally can understand you and answer yeah. and my thoughts, but I can't answer you. Yeah. So frustrating. And we would be guessing. And that was like really hard because the only thing you want to do is like help this person who you love so much and to see like the frustration happen when you're really just trying so hard to like guess what it is that he's saying even and him just looks so defeated like it was just absolutely heartbreaking and so how how long till I mean did it come back shortly after was it a while did you have to work with (laughs) someone to get your speech back yes um we in the hospital they started right away with like a speech therapist coming in and like doing just simple tricks and teaching us too on how we can, um, help him. I remember there was, um, like me and his mom stayed in the ICU with him all night, his, the first night. And we were so exhausted. We needed to like go back to the hotel room, um, just to like shower and freshen up and Wade was still sleeping. So I thought I'm just going to sneak out of here and just go shower, go release my emotions. Cause we were just trying to stay so hard for Wade or sorry, I can't even finish my sentence. You're we trying to stay <laughs> so strong for Wade. And um, the I remember when we walked to the hotel room, the second I got in the room, my mom was there too. And I just had like the biggest breakdown. And it was just so overwhelming, the emotions, 
just to process like when he just had brain surgery Two, he just had like a golf sized brain tumor. Like, what does that even mean? And then three, he can no longer talk. Like, will he ever be able to talk again? And mm-hmm. he's like the love of my life. What is happening? You know? And, um, I was so upset. Cause when I got back, I learned that I actually missed the speech therapist, which was someone I was waiting on all night. Like I really, really wanted to learn how to support Wade for this. And of course she came back, but it was really um, upsetting just to know that like, I missed that first chance to like begin my way of learning how to speak with him. But when I first entered that room, he um, just looked at me and I could tell he was going to cry. And we just like both like just balled together and held each other. And it just was so surreal because we weren't able to communicate, but just being able to like embrace each other like that and process those emotions together. We both didn't need to talk. We both knew exactly how we felt. And that was like the most surreal experience, like having that type of bond and processing that together without um, being able to communicate. I know you're going to make me, I'm like tearing up right now. You know, you're trying to communicate with each other, but you can't, but you can in a way like through your emotions and oh my goodness. But so then when did you finally get your speech back and start to kind of feel like things were getting back to normal? I'm doing air quotes, so to speak, but yeah. So, um, it like, was like less than a week after surgery. Yeah. Wade and, went to a speech therapist. And she said, like, um, this is amazing. Um, usually people come to me without their headdress on. <laughs> yeah, like he still had his bandages all yeah. over his head. And <laughs> like he was just so this is just as a testament to like how what kind of person Wade is. He just fights so hard for what it is that he wants. And you know, the first thing he needed to do was get his speech back. And he was more determined than anything to make sure that actually became his reality. Yeah. He wasn't going to settle with this. Um, so it was about maybe two or three months that I, like, I partially got my speech back, but then it was like, um, probably, uh, like six months say like that. I fully got it back. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, it took like a legit year to um, be able to get to like where he was before, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, cause can you imagine losing your speech and then having to vocalize things with people, friends and family too, that you haven't even seen all year because we did spend the rest of the season in Springfield to recover. Yeah. And after not seeing your friends and family for so long and then coming back with like a speech impairment, like it was so, um, I think it was really hard on Wade's like confidence as well. And he just um, pushed through and it's just unbelievable. Like, I mean, after he um, went back to playing hockey again, there's interviews that he had to do and to be able to lose your speech and then actually build up the confidence again to Mm -hmm. talk in front of a camera. Like that's scary enough for anyone, but then to do that after losing, losing your speech completely, I mean, it's just, it's pretty amazing for what he's um, been able to pull through on so many different levels. What are some ways that you guys were able to 
cope with what was going on? Like, is there something that, did you have a really great support system? How were you guys able to kind of be there for each other when I'm sure you were feeling so defeated? Well, I, I do remember the team in Springfield, like we had the most amazing support group yeah. that year. Like, um, most of the players and, um, families had returned from our first year. So we really were like a really tight group and we built some amazing friendships from that year. And they were truly the most amazing support as Wade was going through his recovery. Like we felt so much love, not only from friends and family back home, but, I think one of the, one of the things I, I just wanted to say was, you know, when you do become a part of these organizations and teams, like I can't stress it enough of the importance of just really being there for each other through thick and thin, because, um, I don't know how much harder it could have been for us if we didn't have, I can't imagine how much harder it would have been on us if we didn't feel yeah. the love and support that we felt from everyone on that team. Mm -hmm. Like that was pretty amazing. That gave us a chance to like, I think, pull through it when that first happened. Yeah. And like, I was going to every game, every playoff game and to feel I, a part of the team. Yeah. To feel a part of the team. And, and Carly, um, was amazing. Like she, she, <laughs> she stuck with me through not speaking for two months. Um, she drove me to every single um, speech therapy, like it was five days a week and homework. And um, I, I thank, thank God that I found my love of my life. Oh, yeah. Wade, they're going to make me cry. <laughs> you guys, oh just my like gosh. always crying about this, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's I so honestly, nice. like I can feel the love that you guys have for each other, like just through our call, like it's so strong. Oh, thanks. And I'm, I just, I'm so happy that you guys found each other yeah. and supported each other and loved each other through such a hard time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was my first, <laughs> that was my first brain surgery. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Wade, I think like also though, um, you know, when you want something, uh, so hard, like so bad, I think that like one of the things that also helped Wade get through it was focusing on his goal and his goal yeah. was to play hockey again. Yeah. And he never gave up on his goal and yeah. his dream. Yeah. And I think that, that was a huge thing that also helped get through it for him because, you know, mm -hmm. he could have very well just given up right then and there. And he's had many friends say, I don't know how you came back the first time because I would have just given up on it altogether. But I think um, it's so important to never give up on your dreams, regardless of how big or small they may be. Because, and we've said this before, like life is way too short to do anything else than to live out your dreams. And, mm -hmm. and that even goes not only to like all the guys playing hockey, but for us women, you know, it's so easy to focus so much on our husband's career careers and their dreams, but it's also really important for us to fulfill our dreams as well and not to let any excuse come in the way. And for Wade, the excuse could have very well been, you know, he, um, 
I mean, even from that first surgery, he did lose a little bit of strength in the right side of his body. And, um, he didn't use that as an excuse to, to stop trying. Mm -hmm. So when he came home, he trained harder than ever. Um, and he, of course he knew it wasn't going to be easy getting a contract because everything was so public. Yeah. But he made a couple calls to some old coaches and one of his coaches that coached him all throughout college was the assistant coach or assistant ass for Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So he said like, okay, let me see what I can do. And I was cleared and this is in September like 6th or something. Like right before training camp yeah. started. And then um, he called me back probably two hours later and he's like, okay, um, I passed your... Um, number or name and number onto the Toronto Marley's um, staff and they, they'll contact you with uh, a flight information. Um, you're you're going to leave in two days. And I was like, thank you very much. And um, I won't let you down. And I remember him saying like um, in his Boston accent, uh, <laughs> you better not make me look like an ass. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Crow. Uh, I won't make you look like an ass. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then I uh, went to Toronto Marley's camp and um, I scored a, a goal in back-to-back -back games. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, he signed me uh, in the, um, in like his office and uh, he's like congratulated me. Um, and uh, I have goose, like I have chills right now. But uh, I figured like that I would just be going back to living my dream. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you returned to playing hockey and then yeah. your tumor came back three more times, right? Yeah. So the first time you hear that it comes back, what are you feeling? I just finished um, playing with your husband in Boise, Idaho Steelheads, and I just decided to make a jump overseas. Um, Cause me and my agent were talking a little bit about uh, how I didn't get called up that year. And I was second in um, points um, in the whole league and I didn't get a sniff. So- And I think at that point it was just obvious that Wade wasn't gonna be able to move up in his career in North America because of everything that had happened with his past. Like it did make an impact on, on his career. That's so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating. So um, I decided to um, move overseas to Germany. Um, and um, I was playing with a good buddy that I went to um, college with. And I had a scan um, before I left. And my doctor called me in Germany. Um, and he's like, I have like some pretty bad news. Like um, there was a change in your scan. Um, I don't know what it is, but, um, and I was like, the season but, hasn't even started yet, but yeah. um, I have to deal with this. Like, and he's like, okay, well, let's just um, get another scan in three months and we'll see if it's changed. And sure enough, like I, um, went about, uh, my career in Rosenheim, Germany. Um, and like my pro like 
I think that it was my most prolific output in scoring and goals and like, um, and I was on top of the world and. And we also were just like really embracing life over there. Yeah. Hockey wasn't so much about politics anymore. It was more so like a way just having fun and us having fun through the lifestyle of living in Europe, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it was just interesting to, um, it was an interesting experience to just kind of like accept the, the new path that Wade was on and, and really embrace it, not dwell on it. Um, because it's so easy to like, look back and be like, oh, like we could have been there, but we really, um, we, I mean, of course had moments where we thought about it. There's still moments that we like, will sometimes think about it, but we don't sit in that. We just, you know, we'll process that thought and then just carry on and focus on the new moment that we're living in. Like even right now, Wade still not, is not yet playing hockey, but we tried to just really embrace the moment. Mm-hmm. versus like dwelling on what the past could have been, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that year was really amazing. Yeah. And, and we were just living in a dream. It felt like. Yeah. And then um, like the Rosenheim technicians, like I shouldn't have got there. Like I shouldn't have went with their word, but she's like, Oh, it's um, no change um, in your brain. And I was like, okay. Perfect. And this was such a relief because um, this scan was right before we came home and we were just about to go on our honeymoon and Wade, whenever he has scans um, to see if there's any regrowth, it gives like a lot of anxiety and stress. There's a lot of anxiety and stress that's associated with Mm -hmm. the follow-up scans. Mm -hmm. So for her to be able to tell him right then and there, which isn't normal, like usually they send the scans to a doctor to assess, but for her to give him the reassurance that like everything's good. It was such a relief and it was almost a blessing in disguise though, Wade, cause that gave you a chance to let go of the stress. Yeah. And, like, and we just we had, had the, so much fun on the honeymoon. Yeah. The best honeymoon. We were living on a high with not like one worry in the world. Mm-hmm. And whereas if she maybe didn't even say anything, we would have just been like scared of what was right yet to come because um, Wade did actually have a seizure shortly before that, like maybe a month or so before that. And it was just like me and him in the living room. And it was just so scary. Um, because like the first thing we think is, oh my gosh, like the tumor's back. Mm -hmm. So for her to reassure us that like, no, it's all good. We're like, oh, thank God. Like maybe that just was a freak incident. Yeah. So then we got back, you had your honeymoon and then you went back to the doctor again. Yeah, I um well then we got our call from Yeah, the so doctor. we actually had an email from our doctor like when we got home like the f- first day or second day we got home um and I got an email from my doctor saying um it's growing back um can you come down to Boston and get it removed. Hmm. I was just like wow. <laughs> and at this time we no longer had um, coverage in the States because of course we were able to have the surgery down in Boston because he was covered with medical, but um, there's no way we were able to go to Boston anymore. I mean, we even saw the invoice of that day and it was just insane. Like that one surgery cost like $200,000, yeah, like something oh. insane. It's like, well, obviously we're not going down <laughs> yeah. there, but yeah, <laughs> we had to like, then do our own homework. It was a really weird situation because we were always having his doctor down in Boston, do the follow-up scans. 
um, like reading the results, but for us to now like take action with this new reoccurring tumor, we had to like figure out how to get in the system here. So Wade's family doctor just suggested him like, well, I think the first step would just be getting you into the cancer clinic because it's a tumor. And this is like where we can't stress it enough. Like you have to be your own advocate and you have to follow your heart with what you feel or your gut even for what you feel is like the right move. And when we went to the cancer clinic, I mean, we were just a deer in headlights, just following the system and the suggestions And the first person we saw was an oncologist, not a neurosurgeon. And the oncologist said, well, um, there's, we're not going to do surgery. We're just going to dive into cancer treatment. You're going to do radiation. You're going to do chemotherapy. The side effects of radiation are that you can have a stroke. You can do this. You can do that. Like all these long-term effects, like just so debilitating because it's radiation to your brain. And this is in a 20 minute consultation. And once again, just like we Getting were hit with, yeah, yeah, just like we were finding out there was a golf sized mass in his brain that very first time, everything like kind of became a blur. That day was the most surreal day because we actually found out we were pregnant that morning. Oh my gosh. And then we go to the cancer clinic and they're telling all us all of this. And one of the questions we had was like, we're pregnant. And they're like, well, you can't be around him when he's going through radiation because um, those like waves can like affect you and the baby, which we later found out wasn't even true. But the whole experience, we just like didn't feel right about it. So we, thank God, had Wade's surgeon back in Boston to lean on and just um, let him know what this suggestion was. And we didn't feel right about it. And he's like, you're absolutely right not to feel right about it. That's like the old school way of dealing with it. It doesn't make any sense to do cancer treatment when you first need to like remove the problem, um, do a biopsy on the tumor, which we did the very first time, and then confirm whether or not you need cancer treatment. And we kind of already knew that because we went through it the first time. But if Wade had never gone through that that first time, we would have just been like, okay, I guess this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't know any different. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that just is so surreal is, um, unfortunately we ended up having a miscarriage. And if we did go through that, we probably wouldn't be living the life we have with the daughter we have, because, um, she was, um, we were pregnant with her a couple months after having our miscarriage. And if Wade was going through his cancer treatment, we would have never had her as our daughter. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so surreal. Like when you think about that kind of scenario as a whole, because you just, that's when I believe like, you know, things in life really do happen for a reason and the importance of you really following your gut instinct. Like it's so important Mm -hmm. to like follow that feeling and um, not ignore it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it took me about like took us about a month to um, do research and um, schedule uh, surgery. Um, and find a new and person find a to new, replace the find first a, surgeon. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, and this time it was just like um, such a breeze compared to the first. Like, yeah. of course, it was so scary, just as scary as the first. You can't help but like question. Are you going to lose body function again? Are you going to lose your speech again? Mm-hmm. And being pregnant too. Um, well, 
at that time I wasn't yet. I was, it was really crazy because we actually just were going through the miscarriage. Like it was so crazy. We find out we're pregnant and then we go to the cancer clinic and process all of that heart information. And then when we go for his surgery, like as he was recovering from his surgery, I was recovering from the miscarriage. So it was just like, that's okay. Thank you. But you know, we, it was like really hard to, of course, um, go through that experience. But one of the things that really helped, um, me anyways, get through it was Wade's mom was talking to me about it one day. And she was just saying, you know, I had the same thing happen to me right before Wade. And, um, literally a month later I got pregnant with Wade and I held on to that just knowing that like, you know, I will get pregnant again. And, the reason for this is be probably because the baby just wouldn't have been healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, for me to just believe that like I would be pregnant again. And for me to trust that, like, you know, whoever is going to be my child, like, I know that I would never have had them if it wasn't for this. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like what I was able to use to like cope with that. And I think it really helped me a lot to like process the whole experience and to just accept it. And what's so crazy, I know this is a little off topic, but our daughter has this imaginary friend who is so real. And I always used to be like freaked out if our child was to ever have a, like a imaginary (laughs) friend. I just think of every horror movie, (laughs) but I've actually, it's actually like a peaceful experience. And Um, I actually strongly believe that this is like a real spirit and a part of me feels like maybe Um, it was the, like, I know it sounds so maybe crazy, but I sometimes will believe that like this, it was, um, maybe who that baby was because she's so connected with this baby and, or with this person and the things that come out of our daughter's mouth sometimes just blows our minds and I'll ask her about it. And sometimes she'll say like, Chloe told me to say that. And I just can't help but think like, yeah, if that's, could it be? Yeah. I know it sounds like maybe a little weird to like, no, I don't, I'm, I love that, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I totally believe that could be true. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I've, I'm not like an overly spiritual person, but I do. It's your intuition. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of interesting how it kind of is full circle, but yeah. So like, fast forwarding a bit, I know. So the tumor came back two more times. And now I think at this point you've have two kids in the mix, right? No, we only had one. Yeah. We Wait. only had one. Um, the, the reoccurrence, um, happened, um, when I finished the Frankfurt season and I signed a contract in Dresden, like Dresden, Germany. And then we came home and went to the Island to purchase a car. And I went driving to um, take Carly's uncle for a test drive. And then we walked, um, we were going for a walk before our ferry and I had a seizure and I knew exactly what that meant. Yeah. Um, Both of us just knew like the tumor was back. Yeah. And then um, the tumor was back. I had um, my third brain surgery. And we decided to not do cancer treatment until, um, and we changed our whole lifestyle. Um, 
we went, um, and that your surgeon, we didn't like, we did get his surgeon's blessing like, yes, for yeah. both first two tumors. they always came back where, um, the biopsy showed that the tumor was like a grade two tumor. Um, and that they both didn't believe that he needed to pursue cancer treatment. Um, this time it was a higher grade, but, um, Wade, like just, I think like hearing all of those side effects with like the radiation really freaked us out. Mm -hmm. And we were wondering if we could give it one more shot, if we were to like, you know, change our entire lifestyle and treat it more like from a preventative standpoint. And the surgeon said like, you know, I don't see any reason why you can't, but you do have to realize that like, if it does come back, like you of course need another brain surgery. And up until this point, like the second and third surgery, there was no, um, side effects Wade had experienced. So we took that route, but the scariest thing was like, Wade kept having seizures. Like, and that was not a normal experience from all other surgeries. He usually would, um, have a seizure when the tumor came back. Yeah. So we, um, we're really unsettled by the whole thing. And the doctors just kept saying like, it, it's probably just because he has like lots of scar tissue. Now he could be more prone to having seizures. Um, but one, uh, evening he actually had like two seizures back to back. And it was literally the scariest moment of our entire lives. Wade and I didn't talk about this, um, until after he'd completed his entire cancer treatment. But, um, in that moment, we literally, both of us felt and thought that he was actually dying and whether or not it was in that moment, we felt so unsettled by this tumor that we like, we were so scared of what the future held for us. And that was the scariest moment. And we never talked about that again. Yeah. Well, we didn't talk about how that's how we felt until like over a year later. And I, I, I remember, um, going like the, amount of like when I first feel she seizure coming on, um, it takes like two to three, four seconds before you black out before I black out. And I was just like, and this was this, my second seizure of like within a couple hours. And I was just like, okay, um, this is how I go. Like, and, um, sure enough, um, I woke up and I got rushed to the emergency and I needed to have emergency brain surgery. And this time the tumor grew back in like two, two months. months. Yeah. Where oh usually gosh. it was like he had um, like a couple of years in between the regrowth. So, and, and so when you're going through this at this point, when you, you have your daughter, how did that change the way that you felt when this was happening? I guess from, I mean, it, emergency that happened so quick. So you probably had to go right into surgery, but Carly, maybe from your standpoint, now you guys have a child together, which is just a whole nother element of making this yeah. even scarier. Right. Well, one thing that was like really different was when Wade experienced the first two, I was able to be there for him, like a hundred percent, you know, and this time we have another little human we're having to take care of. And so, you know, our families were absolutely amazing. They stepped in, um, like as soon as we realized the tumor came back and he needed an emergency surgery, like he literally had to go to the hospital, like the next day. Um, 
that night, like we only had one night before that. And, um, my mom just like took Ava off our hands so we could like really just process it together and have that time together. And, um, I think it's like, it was just so much more crazy because you're trying to process these emotions, but you're also trying to like protect your child. And I think like at the end of the day, we, um, learned to like, not necessarily um, protect her too much from the experience because there was only so much we could protect her from. And I think at the end of the day, it was probably the best thing that we did because at the, like we were all going through it. She was a part of it just as much as we were. And along the way, she experienced many seizures with me and it was really sad and scary for us to like all go through. But I think like for her to like see and experience like real emotions in life where most of the time we always are protecting our children mm-hmm. from that. And even just like, you know, I see a lot of times where parents will say like, Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. If they hurt themselves. But in reality, it's actually really important that we let them process those emotions and we support them through it. Because, um, if we suppress them all the time, that's going to do more damage than good. So as we went through the whole process, like, you know, we just, we tried to like, even though we were dealing with a toddler or a baby at the time who literally turned into a toddler through the process, we, um, we just dealt with it as a family and it was a little bit harder because, um, I've, I always felt bad because Wade, I wasn't able to be there for him as much as I was for the first two, because I was having to do everything around mm-hmm. the house and run after our baby. But, um, Wade, I think we, we talked about it before, like recently and he was just saying, you know what, it's totally fine. Cause like all I needed to do was sleep anyways. So she saved us in so many different ways, yeah. like made us smile mm-hmm. on days. We just wanted to cry. And, um, she gave us like a purpose to keep on like living our life, you know, and not just like being stuck in this limbo. Mm-hmm. What impact has this whole experience had on your lives? Um, well, it's like impacted in so many different ways. It's, that's a loaded question. Yes. (laughs) Like how, how has your perspective changed, you know, maybe before you ever had a brain tumor up until now of just how you live your lives? Um, we try and live our lives to the fullest, like it's cliche, but, um, before I had, um, my first brain surgery first seizure, um, I didn't really like, I didn't really take life for granted. Like I, I didn't, you um, you did take it for granted, did take life for granted. Sorry. Um, I had four brain surgeries. You're excused. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I did take like life and relationships. Too. Yeah. And, um, and you also are looking so like, you're always, um, looking in too far in the future, like for what you want. And I think like one of the biggest things we learned was to be a little bit more grateful for what you have in this like present moment. Yeah. And, um, the importance of like taking care of yourself, like for Wade, we changed our life so drastically because of the fourth tumor. Like, it's just so crazy because like, you know, after his first surgery, we were 
bringing him like bags of candy because we, he loved candy. But later we found out that literally is like feeding the cancerous cells. And um, even like for my own health, like I'm trying to be a little bit more, well, a lot more serious with taking care of my health because, you know, we have two children and I want to be able to live for as long as I possibly can with them. So we take so much better care of ourselves and it's not even just like the nutrition aspect. It's like our mind, our mindsets like have changed. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different takeaways that we've been able to take away from this experience. And it's a huge reason why we decided to start our podcast because um, we could literally go on forever about like every <laughs> type of takeaway yeah. we had. <laughs> right. And yeah. And that's a great segue. Cause I was going to ask you, I I've told you guys, I've listened to a few episodes and I definitely got emotional during those episodes. Just you guys are honestly so inspiring and your strength is so inspiring. And I just love, I mean, I'm sure it was a journey to get there, but how positive your outlook is on the situation, because I think the easy thing to do is to, you know, and I'm sure, and if you did go through this, that's okay. And I think that's part of, you know, getting to where you are now, but just that poor me, and it could yeah. totally have changed how you lived your life. I just love how your outlook on this. And so, yeah. will you just tell me a little bit about your podcast and where people can find it? Yeah. So we have, um, we have it in a, in our link in our bio, both of our profiles on Instagram. And, um, right now we only have it on Podbean and Spotify. We're trying to get it on iTunes, but, um, my Instagram is carly.mcleod and it's K-A-R-L-Y dot M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And, and my Instagram is, uh, just Wade McLeod, W-A-D-E. Um, M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Um, you can go and find it um, on our pod or link on our bio um, to yeah, to listen I, to the episodes. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, and Wade, do you have like a drill or a like a skills page? I think I was looking at that the other oh, day. Oh, that's Headway yeah. Hockey, his <laughs> business account. Yes. Do you uh, do your own social media? Because I mean, it looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so professional. <laughs> no, <laughs> we hired a, yeah. a social media girl. We recently hired a social media girl, um, because I was getting to be overwhelmed. Um, and I, I started like, um, an online course business and, um, I was just being overwhelmed. So I had to get some help. Yeah, some help. Just outsource that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So your podcast, you just you tell your story and you kind of dive into these topics, you know, per yeah. episode and kind of focus more on like the little topics inside of the whole story. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that's it, right. We we originally um like when Wade finally was done his cancer treatment, we sent out a thank you video to all of the people who helped us along the way. And after that, we we did actually attempt to do more so like vlogs and um, we found ourselves like just, you know, going on about the story. There's so many different layers to the story that it just is a little much. So we decided to just break it out into like a focused topic. And with every episode, we really tried to like pull away like the takeaway 
that we had from that. Mm-hmm. One thing that like Wade and I really try to live by is through any hardship that we dealt deal with, we really try to pull away like a lesson learned from it because, um, you know, like there's reasons why we have to go through these challenges in life. And I strongly believe that like all of our challenges define our strengths. And, um, yeah, I think that the takeaways are just amazing, not only for people who might be going through similar situations like cancer, I think like just being able to learn a lot of these lessons without having to like live through these really hard and real hardships gives Mm -hmm. you a chance to like understand a greater, um, outline on life and how you could potentially live your life as well. And I think like at the end of the day, there is a huge gift that we were able to receive through this experience. And it was all of these takeaways and lessons that we have been able to learn. So that's what we try to focus on. And it's been an amazing way for us to like reflect and talk about (laughs) these experiences. Cause when you go through it, you kind of just might shut down and not want to talk about it. Um, Oftentimes, like we are talking about the first, like we have our first conversation on the podcast yeah, and it's obviously emotional, um, but, um, but it's yeah. really healing yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet that's really therapeutic for you guys to, yeah. to go back and, and reflect and talk through it together, you know, and you guys have this mm-hmm. bond through this experience as terrible as it was, but how strong that has made your relationship and your love for each other is just incredible. And I mean, we're human, like we still have to work on ourselves and having um, these moments where we have time to reflect, which I think is important for everyone. um, It gives us a chance to like, just ground ourselves again, you know, because life just gets back to normal and you lose a bit of um, your ways. You might lose a bit of your ways. So being able to ground yourself and reflect, I think is just, so powerful for you to be able to, um, just like re-strengthen your mindset and understand like why you are where you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Just the little piece of your story with me. Thank you. Thank you so much.